fortunate enough to be joined by Celtics president Rich Gotham. And this interview is brought to you by Leahy Health. And Rich, I have plenty of questions for you. But first off, I want to kick it over to Sherrod. Four years ago, 2013, you guys kind of hit the reset button, if you will, on this roster. And you guys have really made tremendous progress. But you guys don't seem to be in this huge rush to get to the top of the mountaintop. Sell all your assets and just, just go chips all in. Talk about just the long-term approach that you guys are taking to really building this franchise with some sustainability to it. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to be patient, for, for sure, because when you're, when you're close, the temptation is to, to really you know, shove all your chips in the middle of the table. Uh, at the same time, if you've been in this business for a while and you've seen how teams get built, uh, you know, the, the best talent comes at the very top of the draft, and the transformational players come at the top of the draft. And, and so for us, holding on to those picks uh, is, is important. Um, developing our young guys is important, and we've enjoyed success along the way. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't think we're a finished product by any means. I think we're at a good step in our progression. I think once you're in the playoffs, um, all you want to do is win, right? Everything else sort of goes by the wayside, and all you can focus on is winning the next series. But uh, at the same time, you know, having a patient approach to building something that can be sustainable is, is the approach we've taken. And in the meantime, we're happy to be, you know, competing for the Eastern Conference title right now. Yeah, two games, uh, two wins away, I guess, from making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, Rich. When you look at this series with the Wizards, going back to the regular season, the home team has won every single game. Tell me about Game 5. What are you expecting at the Garden from the home fans? Well, our, our fans will be ready, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, and it doesn't matter who we're playing, but they'll be, they'll be cranked up for this game for sure. It's this game. The series has been testy, uh, as we've all seen. Uh, and, you know, the advantage uh, is, is real for us, you know, in this series with uh, Washington. I think everyone knows by now, you know, we've played each other eight times, four eight and times, four. Uh, everyone's protected the home court. So let's hope that that holds form and our fans give us the lift that we need. And uh, if that's the case, uh, you know, we've got home court in game seven if needed. And Rich, to start the playoffs, obviously, it's been very tough for Isaiah Thomas, just what he's been through, mm. not only personally, but also physically, too, with his mouth and having the extensive dental work. But him coming in, being able to contribute, dropping a career high, 53 yeah. points in game two. Just how have you seen not only the Celtics organization, but also the city of Boston really rallying behind him? Well, obviously, his, his circumstances are immensely difficult um and and i think he was you know a a guy that was very endearing to the fans of boston to begin with as kind of an overachiever uh, and a guy who's beat the odds in a lot of ways and then you add to that you know what he's had to overcome emotionally and then you add to that you know the 53 point game and bringing us back to win that game i think he's really cemented himself as a very special player in the hearts of celtics fans in new england uh that that game two in Boston, I've been to a lot of games we all have. That was a special game. That was a special performance, you know, and uh, you walked out of that that game feeling like you, you saw some history made. And, uh, you know, it's the playoffs. Your momentum doesn't last much past, you know, that, that one night. You enjoy it then. You move on to the next one, and, and things can change quickly, as we found out. Uh, but I, I think Isaiah... Um, you know, he's, he's reached that level uh, as a guy that Celtics fans are going to remember for a long time, I'd say. And you just mentioned his popularity with the fans. I actually did this on our segment for Celtics.com, just his individual jersey sales right now, coming in at number 14 of the top ones. Uh, just speak to his popularity now and, yeah. and also compared to other Celtics greats. Right, well, he's a two-time All-Star now. Um, and I think, you know, his game, uh, it's it's. He's an amazing player to watch. Right? He's a fun player to watch. I think that makes him a, an easy player for fans to embrace. People want to wear his jersey. You want to root for um, him. And when you know he's he's a, you know he's reached that level where 
Um, it's not just sort of aspirational for him to sort of get to a certain point. He's hit that certain point. Yeah. And I think fans have recognized that. Other players across the league, you know, uh, you listen to how other players talk about IT. You listen to how other coaches talk about IT. And, and the word you always hear is special. What he's doing is special. And, uh, and I think you stop looking at him as, as sort of a, a novelty because he's doing it at five foot nine. You start looking at him as a dominant player in the NBA. Yeah, Rich, when you talk about special, you guys are going to be in a very special position when you talk about having the opportunity to be deep into the playoffs and still potentially wind up with the number one overall pick. Talk, take me through just how you guys are approaching this draft lottery. Well, the good news is we're not spending a lot of time thinking about it because we're embroiled in this series. So it's, it's, it's unusual to be you know, playing meaningful games in May and then having a lottery um, next week, I guess, right? Yeah. So uh, we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, which is a, a nice way to go through it. It, I guess, kind of lessens the pressure. It's certainly a lot better than the only thing we have to look forward to is those ping pong balls, right? So we've got a lot of good basketball in front of us, hopefully. And hopefully the, you know, the balls go our way this time. But uh, I think where the team is and where the franchise is, you know, as we've said, we're, we're not sort of betting it all on the ping pong balls. It's nice to be in the position we're in. Uh, but we've got options to improve the team in addition to the, you know, the lottery. Uh, you know, we hope to be a player in, in free agency this summer. We've set up our caps such that we've got some flexibility to do so if the right players become available. And, you know, we like the young talent that we're developing. You know, uh, I feel like uh, Jalen Brown, while he's got a lot of minutes this year, you know, will, will be a, the equivalent of a, a high lottery pick for us next year, you know, with his contribution. So I feel like, um, you know, we've got a lot of ways um, to skin the cat here and try to get to the next step. Um, and, and hopefully that next step is this year while we're still playing. With that being said, Rich, take me through lottery night, though. Where are you guys huddled up? And even though you, you know, have all these assets yeah. and, and flexibility going into the offseason, is there a moment of anxiousness, you think? Oh, there, there is. I've been in the room with those ping pong balls, and <laughs> it's a very anxious place to be. And it happens really quickly, and you're like, wait, it's, it's over? What, what just happened, right? Um, so we'll have a contingent down in New York. It's on a non-game night uh, if we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, uh, and then we'll have the contingent back back here and probably at our Waltham practice facility, the basketball group. So we haven't quite figured out, you know, how we're going to manage that event yet, but we'll have obviously the Celtics representation there. And it, it'll be a fun night one way or another. You know, uh, we've sort of learned the hard way not to put uh, too much emphasis sort of a, on that a, a, night. Can't lose though, right? I mean, <laughs> you're not playing with your own pick. It's, it's, no, it's, it's you know, it's great. And, you know, you never want to uh, sort of you don't want to gloat, but it, it's a good position to be in to, you know, um, not have to do all the losing that's generally associated with right. getting that pick. Right. And so it's been a, a fun couple of years where we've been building and winning more and more. Uh, and at the same time, you know, having a couple high draft picks these last couple of years and uh, maybe one next year, too. Uh, Rich, let's take a look back at Celtics history. Wick announced that they, you guys will be retiring Paul Pierce's mm. number 34 jersey yeah. coming up. Is that happening sooner rather than later? And, and just what he's meant to the Celtics? Well, I mean, Paul has meant everything to us, right, um, you know, as, as a guy. And, and a lot of us who, um, you know, joined when, when Wick and, and Steve and Bob bought the team, um, you know, he's really special to us. He's the guy who was with us from the get-go, uh, who grew as a player, as you know, grew as a man, um, and uh, helped us, you know, get that championship in 2008, obviously, as the, as the MVP of the series. Um, and as you've seen when he's come back here, the reception Paul gets, it's, it's amazing, especially the second time through this year, you know, in his last game, um, you know, in the Garden was one of the most amazing, you know, experiences as a fan that I've had. And uh, so, you know, Paul's always got a home, you know, with, with the Celtics. And we'll figure out 
you know, how we'll engage with him when the season ends. I, I think he's going to be doing some media. And he'll have plenty of options to figure out what exactly he wants to do um, now that his playing days are over. But he knows uh, anytime he wants to pick up the phone and talk to us, you know, we'll, we'll try to figure out something. And, uh, you know, we haven't scheduled the retirement of his number yet. Uh, we've also got the 10-year anniversary of that team coming up. So, again, the luxury of being in the playoffs is, you, you know, you push that kind of stuff <laughs> to the right, offseason. Right. Um, and as much as it's, it's going to be fun for fans and everything, we really haven't turned our focus there yet uh, we're 100% on uh, this series with uh, the Wizards right now. Awesome, Rich. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Sure. We really appreciate your time. allowing huge runs. The Wizards, they went on a 22-0 run in the first quarter of Game 3 and then a 26-0 run early in the third quarter of Game 4. So why have runs been such a huge issue for the Celtics? A big part of what Washington is about is creating turnovers, and those turnovers really usually lead to two or three points for them. They're great at doing that, and the Celtics, they're just being sloppy with the ball. You have to be crisp, efficient, and smart with your passing against this Washington team because they're so great in transition. It's so easy for them to get out and score. You just have to be better in terms of executing the ball offensively because they make you pay if you don't. Yeah, especially in transition, like you mentioned. I mean, in the third quarter of game four, nine turnovers led to 21 points off turnovers. But I also want to call an issue to Brad Stevens. Uh, question him just a little bit. In the first game, you mentioned that 22-0 run. He waited till it was 17-0 to call a timeout. He did a little better in, right, I was thought, say, in he did game adjust, four. Right. It was 11-0. But still, maybe you got to call two timeouts. You know, the Wizards, they're sort of a front-running team. When they've got you back on your heels, they're going to take advantage. We've seen Brad in the past use his timeouts a little quicker. He hasn't done that this series. It's a different animal to Washington because they have the ability to strike so quickly that by the time you're ready and in position to call a timeout, they've already got eight points on the board. You just got to take care of the ball a little bit better. Marcus Smart can have eight turnovers like he had in Game 3. Do a better job of taking uh, uh, care of the ball. Then the Wizards won't get out in transition as much. As far as points in the paint, I think you're going to lose that battle just because you're not a paint team. You're a three-point shooting team. But one thing you can do, better weak side rotation, weak side help, because Gortat's getting easy rolls to the baskets for layups. And it's been that way, not just in games three and four, which I think a lot of people are focusing on. The Celtics were getting their heads handed to them in games one and two as well. Washington has been the better team through the first four games of this series. The fact that the Celtics are in a 2-2 tie, they need to feel great about that because they haven't played on the same level as Washington. Fortunately for them if they can get back to doing the things that they are frankly they're, they're good at shot making they're not the greatest shot making team but that's their identity yeah. and at some point they have to play to that if they're going to win this series yeah and at, like we saw in games one and two Washington they got the early lead too they just weren't able to sustain it there but another issue was Isaiah Thomas not getting calls take a listen to this mm. after after the game mm. the refs were allowing them to hold and grab and and do all those things. So I think, I mean, especially in that third quarter, I might have hit the ground five or six straight times. And I'm not the one that likes hitting the ground. Like, so I, I think it got to be called differently. I can't allow it to be held and grabbed every pin down, every screen, and I don't even shoot one free throw. Like, I play the same way each and every night. So I think, I mean, that has to change. 
so IT calling out the refs Listen, a little bit there. I, I, I agree. He plays the same way each and every night, but his teammates don't, and that's the problem. Isaiah is doing what you're supposed to do when teams start pulling and grab. You kick the ball to your teammates who are open. They're not making shots. The way this game has been, this series has been officiated, they're, the refs are finding that, that tough balance between calling it close but letting the guys play. Yes, Isaiah, you fell down five or six times, but so did John Wall. So did Bradley Beal. That's what happens in the playoffs. It's a time when the calls aren't going to necessarily go your way, but if you've got a good team, your teammates are going to help step up and bail you out, and that's just not – that is the bigger issue, and it's not the refs, not Isaiah Thomas. It's your teammates who aren't and, getting and, it done. And, and I'm sorry, all the plays we just saw – there were no fouls on those plays. Maybe during the regular season, Isaiah gets the foul call on Gortat, the last play we saw. But I thought the Wizards just did a better job in the second half of defending him. But we do have some numbers from this series, the number of fouls that Isaiah has been getting called. Not in his favor. You see, in game two, he had 10 defensive fouls drawn. Hey, that's when he scored 53 points. Career but it steadily there. declined five in game three, two in game four. But this is the playoffs. I don't want to hear about officiating. You know, go out there, play the game. If you pass, other guys make shots. Things will open up for you if you're Isaiah Thomas. Let's get to injuries now. Avery Bradley, unfortunately, he has a hip pointer injury on his left hip. But earlier in the series, he was suffering one on his right hip pointer. So with Bradley not being fully healthy, how is that impacting the Celtics team right now? Well, let's see. You've got to guard John Wall, who is the <laughs> fastest player in the league. And you got one of your, you know, one of your wheels isn't quite right. It's going to have an impact. And, and Avery Bradley, I, I give him credit. He has played as, as well as he can defensively, but he has lost a step in this series. And, and John Wall is doing what all great players do. When you see a guy who's not quite right, you go at him, and you go at him as often as you can. That's what we're seeing. But what bothers me about Avery Bradley more than that is his scoring. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that averaged 16 points during the regular season, averaged 16 points in the first two games in the Garden gave you six per game down in D.C. You're not going to win when your number two score is giving you six points a game.